This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Kirsty Logan is a Scottish novelist, poet, performer, literary editor, writing mentor, book reviewer, writer of short fiction, songwriter, I know that because we've written a song together, and new mum. She's presented many shows on Radio 4. She lives in Glasgow with her wife Annie and their new baby. Her novels have been described as magic realism and dark grim fairy tales akin to Emma Donoghue and Angela Carter. I describe them as just brilliant and I've loved every single one I've read. Welcome, Kirsty Logan. Oh, thank you. I feel very shy about that intro. I think it's underselling you, actually. Are you? You can just follow me around and big me up to everyone. (laughs) So how did you sleep last night? Really, really badly. Like, really badly. Couldn't get to sleep for ages. My wife and I have got in this habit of playing Quirdle just before bed. So we kind of, we get all, we get the baby in bed and we get all cosy in bed and then we get my phone up and we play Quirdle because we're wholesome lesbians, you know. What's Quirdle? Oh my God. So, you know, do you know Wordle, the word game? Is it like queer Wordle? Oh, I wish it was Queer Wordle. What it is, is four Wordles at once, which sounds mind-blowing. But once you get the hang of it, I actually find it easier than Wordle. But it's really good fun. My wife's dyslexic as well, so she quite often, she'll say this word, like, oh, this word. And I'm like, yeah, no, none of those letters are are available, (laughs) what you just said. Well, me and Neil are a similar wholesome couple. We do um, cryptic crosswords in bed. I can't even understand the questions. Didn't think I was a bear with big enough brains for it. And now I'm absolutely brilliant. And sometimes Neil turns to me and goes, how did you get that? I'm like, I don't know. It's actually quite become my most sexual attraction to myself. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I am so hot with these crosswords. (laughs) When I get a cryptic crossword first time, I'm just like, man, you're hot. (laughs) Maybe you should get like a bikini with your favourite crossword questions on it just to combine sexy elements i love that idea only you could come up with that idea (laughs) so your quirdle so yeah we so we did quirdle um we did manage to win quirdle which was quite nice but then the baby woke up every two hours which was thoughtful you know generally we've been quite lucky with the sleeping like we did get a bit smug like quite early on i think about three months in there were a couple of nights of sleeping through the night and we were like maybe the baby just sleeps through the night now maybe that's our life i mean ha 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 as if clearly whoever is in charge of the world or just the baby heard that and was like come on now you got a bit smug there did didn't you? Let's just come back down to earth. Yeah, it was not the best night. Pre-baby, I really thought I was quite useless if I hadn't slept. Like I couldn't focus. I was really grumpy. I couldn't be creative. I couldn't do anything. And now I've discovered it's actually incredible what you can do on very little sleep. As long as it's not heavy machinery, I think you're pretty much sorted. Yeah, I can't drive. So that's probably best for the safety of everyone. Oh, you don't drive anyway? No, so I don't operate anything heavier than the coffee machine, which is probably for the best. When I first went out with the pram when Louis had been born, I just hadn't left the house for so long. Uh, He'd been ill, I'd been ill, learning to drive with the pram. And (laughs) Neil was going, why are you going so slow? And (laughs) as we were coming up to a corner of the pavement, I was like, do I need to indicate? (laughs) Oh! 
There should be indicators. <laughs> indicators on prams. I love that you can put stuff in it as well. We just put the baby like in the pram upper size. I mean, now it's more like a buggy. But lengthwise, there's a lot of space around the foot area. So it will be things like, I'll get my little coffee. And I've got one of those takeaway reusable cups that you tip it upside down and it doesn't spill. So like, tuck that in the little footwell. I get myself a little cake. I tuck that in. I'm like, nice one, baby. You look after that. <laughs> it's great. It's a sad time when um, prams, they grow out of all of that. All of a sudden, you have to carry bags and you don't quite know what to do with your arms anymore because you're not used to, like, swinging them by your side. Oh, I'm getting the, you know, you've heard about, like, the parent sway. When you're standing still, you sort of joggle or, like sway a little bit because you're so used to doing that with the baby I have started doing that quite a bit my old guitarist Dave Scott had twins and he said one time he found himself in Tesco holding two boxes of cornflakes and just like <laughs> shaking them people were looking at him and he was like oh god yeah it's just cornflakes relax cornflakes it's okay <laughs> you can go to sleep so where are you sleeping tonight the same place that I've slept every single night for the last two years since the pandemic started, uh, which is my bed in my house. Um, and it was weird, actually. The, at the first year of the pandemic, I stopped and I thought, this is the longest that I've ever stayed in one place. In I think in my life, maybe, because it was a full year that I didn't sleep anywhere other than my bed. And I'd never done that before, because as a child, you know, we went on holidays, we stayed with family. I travel a lot for work. I go on a residency uh, once or twice a year, usually for kind of two weeks to a month. So that was the longest time that I'd ever just slept in one place every single night. And I wonder now when I have to go and sleep somewhere else, will I manage it? Will it feel really strange to me? With touring, it's so much living out of a suitcase and then the next place and the next place. I found it unbelievably easy and I'm quite tentative about leaving this place again I have realized that I, I enjoy being home being with the kids working out what really matters yeah and I've realized I love our home as well it's nothing fancy or grand it's just a one bed tenement flat in Glasgow but I just love it I love it so much I don't really want to go obviously we've got a baby now so we can't have a one bed forever we're gonna to have to move at some point but I'm so reluctant to I just I love everything about it I love how we've decorated it all I love the area I love all our neighbors they're all really chill and quiet and lots of dogs in the building we've got a dog as well so it's like dog friends to be had and all that. <laughs> I just I just love it it's just made me realize how much I love home and I sometimes think I may have caused the pandemic because my resolution for 2020 was to stay at home more, which I achieved very thoroughly. <laughs> I really got that, that New Year's resolution tick, like top notch, stayed at home a lot because that was my resolution. Travel less, be at home more, only go away from home if it's really worth it. <laughs> yeah, so that went quite well. Did you have the baby in the pandemic? No, so it was uh, last October, October 2021, so kind of, well, yeah, within it, but not right at the start. <laughs> yeah, not right at the start. Is it right pregnant women can't, do they have the vaccine or not? 
We've talked about that a lot, yeah. Yeah, we talked about whether it was the right thing to do or not, and I, I did get it. I hated that we went back and forth on it, because I'm not a vaccine sceptic at all. I had all my other vaccinations. The baby's been vaccinated without any hesitation at all. So I, I hated that I was unsure about it, but I think pregnancy really puts the fear into you. You worry about everything, every single thing. I sent eggs back a few times when I was in cafes, because I thought, are these eggs slightly runny? What if I get salmonella? you know and I think it just makes you worry about everything you know every time you cross the road you're thinking I'll just go to the lights I'll just walk an extra five minutes up the road just to get to the traffic lights you know yeah so I think it's not that I'm in any way skeptical of vaccines and I've been triple jabbed I'm not worried about it at all um, but yeah I kind of I hated that it really I think pregnancy changes you for the better in a lot of ways but I think it makes you quite fearful. Cautious, I would say, because you're you're aware that it's not all about you anymore. And I think that's that's quite a good thing for egos as creatives. <laughs> can you sleep anywhere? I can, but I always think that I can't. So I'm very, like, sleep anxious. Uh, and if I ever have to travel for work, I always I get really anxious, kind of preemptively anxious about sleeping. Like I will research the hotel that I've been put in and think like, are there any reviews that say it's noisy or anything like that? Or I worry like, what if the person in the next room is having a party and they won't stop? Or like, what if, what if, what if? Because usually when I'm traveling for work, like you have to work the next day, obviously. And I would get so anxious of like, what if I hardly get any sleep and then I have to work the next day and I do a crap job? and everybody hates me forever or even I'm disappointed in myself because I've been too tired to be articulate or I've been rude to someone because I haven't been paying attention to what's going on so I'm gonna say 95% of the time I actually sleep completely fine but I worry about it which I guess is the story of my life <laughs> things usually turn out fine but I worry about it maybe the worrying gets you into the sort of sleepy mode like I'm so exhausted yeah it's like you've run the engine completely dry maybe maybe that's how it works I don't know I will I'm really not like a fancy lady I'm a big premier in girl like see if if someone else is booking the hotel I'll be like please don't feel like you have to book me anywhere fancy if I can get a premier in that would be fantastic because they're always the same. It's like a McDonald's, right? It's always the same. You know exactly what you're going to get. You always get a really good night's sleep in there. They've got these big comfy beds. It's quiet. I quite like the sort of blandness of them as well. I find it quite soothing. Well, I remember staying in this one hotel and the shower, like I would have been upset or annoyed if it wasn't so ludicrous. And I remember I turned the shower on and the shower head was so busted that no water came down onto me. It just all <laughs> squirted like around the edges, you know, like a watering can, except nothing in the center. Yeah. And I was like, shall I attempt to sort of circle my head around so I can get some water on it? Or like, what, what do I do here? And it was, it was actually quite funny. So you can't even be upset about stuff like that. I remember uh, one tour, we had a dripping um, shower that we ended up tying a load of towels together, wrapping it round, so that the drip fed down through the towel and then onto the floor of the bath. It was quite ingenious. Wow. Oh, I, that reminds me of a place I stayed once that was an Airbnb, and the owners had a party. So it was like an Airbnb that was... I was there. So it was, in, it was an Airbnb that was like a spare room in someone's house, and they had a house party. Sort of midnight, I went down, and I was like, I have noticed your friends aren't leaving, um, and, you know, I'm 
staying here above this party is there any chance that could not be the case and they were like yeah yeah we'll we'll yeah we'll definitely get rid of them you know 2 a.m rolls around party still going and I'm like if I was a different kind of person I would just go and join the party but I am not that person <laughs> I want to sleep please it was pretty bad that sounds like my sort of hell. I don't like confrontation. I don't like really chatting to people I don't know that well. I love my sleep. Yeah, same, same. I didn't enjoy it at all. I hope you gave them a bad review. Do you know what's really sad? I felt bad about not paying, so I paid half. <laughs> what? Because I was like, oh, and also they didn't make me breakfast. They had made a big fuss about like, what time would you like your breakfast? And I did my exact breakfast order and exactly what time I would like it. And I got up in the morning and they just weren't up because they'd had this party. <laughs> so I was sort of in this empty house, like, should I go into the kitchen and make my own breakfast? Or what, is there cereal? Like, what should I do? So I just left the house with like no breakfast. But I, do you know what? How sad is that? Why did I pay? I paid half. What was I thinking? I know. It kind of makes me love you a bit more because that's exactly what I would do. It's like, oh, thank you for giving me such a terrible time. I don't want you to dislike me. I'm never going to see you again. Like, what was I afraid of? That these awful people that I hated would dislike me. I really don't give much of a toss. <laughs> good though I'm kind of getting that as well like I feel like I've grown into my haircut so I have what I would f refer to as a bitch bob which is a dyed bright red very sharp short bob with an undercut bitch bob. like you could not get a bitchier haircut I'm afraid and I have bitch glasses as well so like I feel like I'm constructed this image because I'm like I really want to be like an ice bitch I can't do it so I'm like if I appear to be an ice bitch maybe I'll grow into it and I feel like I am growing into it like the older I get the fewer fucks I give about it I've actually hurt my throat trying not to laugh loud while you've been talking there <laughs> do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone depends if my wife's gonna hear this um no she won't no I don't think she'll mind if I say I love sleeping alone I love her very much and I would love to be around her all the other hours of the day but when it comes to sleeping time yeah I never sleep as well when she's there so yeah probably alone I I do love my lovely hotel lovely quiet cozy hotel all by myself you know you get to cuddle in have your little cup of tea in bed read your book do whatever you're doing oh, it's brilliant maybe have like a nice bath oh it's great I love my wife very much, but probably alone, if I'm honest. Well, I suppose being a writer, your time alone is so precious and is such a big part of the imaginative, quiet space that you need, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that was actually something I worried about before we had the baby. I thought, am I ever going to have quiet again? Am I ever going to have time alone again? Will I ever have space inside my head again I mean we're only we're nearly five months in and I'm happy to say so far anyway that's not the case at all I feel I get plenty of time to myself I get plenty of creative time um we're very lucky um we have family support so the the baby's grannies do like babysitting duty a couple of days a week so that works out really well and obviously my wife is a very active parent as well so that's really good I just worried that my creativity would be sapped in some way particularly I had 
as I started the pregnancy was really rough. I was so sick and couldn't eat anything, couldn't think. I remember being in the car with my wife and we were driving somewhere and she was chatting away to me, singing along to the radio, asking me questions. And I just sat there like a potato, sort of staring into the middle distance, just incapable of forming a sentence. And I thought, is this my life now? Am I just like a little potato sitting in the passenger seat of life. Is that what I'm doing now? And it was quite frightening. And I did sort of wind myself up. This is the story of my life, isn't it? I just wind myself up about it. And then in the end, it was fine. Um, Am I a potato? Am I a potato? (laughs) Oh my God, it's my life. Kirsty potato, oh no. Um, When I had small children, I could never finish a sentence from the beginning to the end. Or there would always be some sort of interruption. And I feel like with my speech now, I often have big pauses because I expect to have something (laughs) interrupt me, like a a child crying or... A friend of mine says that. It's interesting. She's the youngest of four and she sort of rambles a lot. And one day she said, I'm aware that I ramble a lot when I'm speaking. And it's because my entire childhood, I never got to finish a story because, you know, she had these three older siblings that would just talk over her all the time. So now she's an adult and has friends that listen to her. She doesn't know how to stop herself. She doesn't know how to end a story because she never got to end a story. I find that quite interesting. I tend to have quite sort of enthusiastic, excitable friends. So we all interrupt each other all the time. So then if I'm talking to someone that doesn't interrupt me, I just keep going. And I hear myself and I think, stop, stop, Kirsty, stop, stop talking. You're repeating yourself, stop it. But then I'm like, but they're not stopping me. Do I just carry on? Do you write and work better in the day or at night? And has that changed over the years? Definitely better in the day, better as early as possible. If I can sort of sit down at my desk with a coffee, that's kind of when I'm at my best, at my freshest. So if I can get my work done then, ideal. It has changed, but only because I couldn't work that way for a long time, because through most of my 20s, I did various jobs. I was a waitress. I worked in a in a grocer. I worked in a call center. I sold PPI, so sorry if you... <laughs> had to reclaim your PPI. Although I probably didn't sell it to you because I was awful at that job, really awful. I don't think I sold much PPI. So I did all all those kinds of jobs, uh, data entry, everything like that. And usually it was quite an early start. So I couldn't do writing in the morning unless I was going to get up at five, which I was unwilling to do, quite frankly. My paid work got the best of me. So I had to use what I had left at the end of the day to write. But I feel like it helped me actually because I, I hated those jobs and I was rubbish at them as well. I worked in a cafe for a couple of years and I remember every night I would come home and I would think, you have to write something because you can't allow making cappuccinos to have been your whole day. That can't be what this day was to you. So it encouraged me. And I was no good at making cappuccinos. I think if you make really good ones, that can be a really valuable way to spend your day. But I was rubbish and I didn't enjoy it. So it really encouraged me to dig up from the depths of myself, something, whatever I had left, I would put it into my writing. So I think it helped me. And luckily now I can make my own schedule, like baby aside, you know, I can kind of plan my own day. And so I can give my writing the best of me. So I try and do writing in the morning and then the afternoon is for kind of paperwork, emails, if I have to do any other types of work, that kind of thing. Did that become one of your first novels? It became several of my first novels, all of which are in a drawer where they belong. It took me a long time to learn how to write. Novels are a really difficult thing, as you know. It's big, it's unwieldy, 
It's intimidating. It's a lot to hold in your head all at once. Most of my early novels, I think I've got three in a drawer. They're just me waffling on because I didn't really understand structure. I didn't really understand about stakes and pace. And I didn't understand any of the technical stuff, really. I kind of knew about sentences and I knew how to put a nice sentence together, how to have some nice imagery, that kind of thing. But I hadn't really figured out how to tell a story. I just used them as practice. A couple of things that I wrote in those times have kind of gone on to be published or I kind of still stand behind them, but much of them I just think of as they were just exercise. They were just me trying to build up the muscles. They were me trying to, just trying to learn. And so how many novels have you had now? There's two novels published. I've got another one coming out next year and I've got one which is a bit of a funny one, which is an audible original. So it's novel length, but it's audio only it's not print so I'd never really know whether to class that as a novel or not so I've got either two or four depending on how you think about it yeah let's say four (laughs) I will say one of the early novels that I wrote I rewrote from scratch three times as in every single word was was rewritten and that became The Gloaming, which was my second novel. So my agent had read that early novel. She was like, I, this isn't the one. Go and write something else, which I did, which then became The Gracekeepers, which was my actual first novel. So she had read it, and then I sent her this rewrite and said, hey, listen, I've gone back to that idea that didn't work, and I've given it another go. And she said, this really isn't the same book. Why are you saying it's the same book? You know, it has a different setting. It has different characters. It has a different story. And I was like, yeah, but tonally it's the, to me it's the same book there was something about the kind of heart of it or the the feel of it that was the same book to me but to everyone else it was a completely different thing it's funny things always come back I never think anything's wasted even if you don't use the exact words or even the exact ideas I feel like there's always something so nothing's ever wasted when you go to bed is it quiet or noise do you read chat or a podcast Depends. I quite like all of those. Um, what I mean, what I love, what we used to do pre-baby, my favourite thing was to go to bed at like nine, but then read for three hours and then go to sleep. We don't really do that anymore. Um, I don't know, too tired or... I still do read a lot, but not for three hours solid anymore. My wife and I like to play Quirdle or we like to play um, online Scrabble, that kind of thing. The other day, actually, we had a lovely, lazy Sunday morning in bed where we listened to about five episodes of a podcast of like spooky stories. And that was really nice, just kind of chilling, listen to that while the baby was sleeping. And it was really nice. So we do that. Usually the sound that we have is the baby's got a little a little cloud that makes noise. It's like a white noise machine, but it's got a rain sound. Uh, I don't know why we do that, because we live in Scotland, so there's normal rain <laughs> frequently enough, but um, I don't know, it's a different kind of sound. So <laughs> we put the, the baby's little rain sound on, and then either I'll read, and she'll like look at Instagram or play a game on her phone. And she loves audiobooks as well, so quite often she'll have audiobooks on. Yeah, so it's usually pretty, pretty calm, pretty chill. We'd never have music when we're going to sleep though I don't know if it would be too exciting when you read do you feel like you read differently as an author do you see the craft in a book yeah definitely I used to have a lot more patience for I don't want to say bad books but I used to have more patience for maybe artless books or books that hadn't had a huge amount of thought put into them quite throwaway books like sometimes I read like books on 
Kindle and I think I've spent longer reading this book than the author spent writing it so (laughs) I used to have a lot more patience for things like that see if I start a book and it's got a really cliche opening line or opening image I'll just think this doesn't bode well for the rest of the book like if if the first page is full of cliches and sentences that I don't enjoy reading is the rest of it going to be any better probably not I could spend my time on a book that is going to be more skillfully constructed or more unusual or will surprise me a bit more. But weirdly, I also have a much higher tolerance for the extreme bad books. So the books that have a lot of typos. I read a really fascinating horror novel that was by someone who clearly didn't have English as a first language. I found it really fascinating, or all these um, homonyms. So I think they they had written guilt, as in, you know, feeling guilty about something, but they had written it G-I-L-T, as in sort of covered in gold. I have more of a tolerance for that because I find it oddly poetic, quite inspiring, the kind of clunkiness of it. And it's this kind of lack of polish that I find quite appealing as well. Shiny and competent, but unsurprising. I don't really have time for that anymore, but I like incredibly high quality or quite clumsy things. I tend to not really listen to mainstream, competent, smooth. I either go for something that's like really lo-fi and quite ramshackle or at the other end Joni Mitchell when you get to a level of sort of craftsmanship that you're not trying to show people how clever you are you're just trying to discover something new yeah there's a spark I always feel like that I do a lot of teaching of writing and I always feel like I would really rather have someone who has these really unusual ideas or a really unusual take on the world but can't put a sentence together can't structure can't do anything like that because you can learn all that stuff if someone is very competent stylistically but kind of doesn't have that edge or I sometimes think about you know when you scrape a match on a match something about that if I'm teaching someone who's written a perfectly competent story but there's just nothing to it and the only advice you can give really is throw it away throw it away and push yourself harder but you're so tough Well, I never say that because that's not helpful to someone. I try and encourage them to dig a little bit deeper. I think it's a lack of confidence. I think when we don't feel confident, if you know that you're so good or if you kind of know that you're unskilled, but you feel like you still have something to say or something that you want to do, that's just so much more interesting. I think sometimes when we don't feel confident, I fall back on existing structures, existing ideas. So maybe that's it. I mean, are you the same with reading? Do you you like the extremes? of reading or is it just with music? I like to look through a window to a world that I haven't experienced or think in a way that makes me excited that I've not walked that path before. I think a lot of people like the comfort and safety of just having things affirmed to them. This is how they think and who they are. So they will only read that sort of bubble of them being okay. Yeah, I remember a friend saying to me once, she recommended a contemporary novelist who I won't name. And she said, oh, you'll love this book. It's about these kind of 20s to 30s, middle class, white, people in the arts and they're just like us you'll you'll really connect with it and I'm like why would I want to read a book that's like me and my friends I see me every day I see my friends every day I like them a lot I don't want to read about them I want to read about something different somewhere I haven't been the type of person that I've never known a situation that I've never been in I don't really like a mirror but I was thinking about Hollywood films I like I I don't really like 
super, super difficult films. I think there's a there's a sweet spot where it's just unusual enough that it's something to keep you guessing, but it's I'm quite lazy when it comes to watching things. I think by the end of the day, you know, if I've been writing all day, I'm kind of tired. I just want a good story. But you don't want, I don't want something that from the opening scene, I'm like, well, I can tell you exactly every beat that's going to come in this film. I know exactly what's going to happen at the end. I know exactly what the character is going to be like. You don't want that. But then I also don't want something, you know, when it starts with five minutes of darkness and a shrieking violin off key. I don't really want that either. Or like a still shot of a vase for... 10 minutes like I'm not that extreme but I think the thing is sometimes things are popular because they're just really good like they say that about romance I know a lot of a lot of my writer friends are a bit snobby about romance but I would challenge them to write a romance book I couldn't do it it's really hard because it's it's something that seems very simplistic yeah and also how how do you hit all the beats that a reader will want and expect but still do something that's different and surprising to them I have read the book and watched the film of Silence of the Lambs dozens of times. Okay, transphobia in it is not great, I will give it that, but it's just such a good story, it's such a well put together story, and I think it's popular because it's just really good. I agree. (laughs) Well, that was easy. (laughs) Yeah. My last question is, can you remember a lullaby or song that sent you to sleep as a child? That's lovely, what a beautiful question. I don't remember lullabies when I was a child. I'm sure I did. I was sung lullabies. I don't remember them. The thing that I really remember is my dad used to recite poetry to me to help me sleep. And the one that I remember, which looking back, wasn't really a poem for children, but I loved it. And presumably he read it because it was one that he happened to know by heart, even though it's quite long, which is the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot and he yeah he used to recite that to me and he had this very kind of soothing voice very kind of slow soothing voice and he used to recite that to me and I still I can still remember the opening lines of it to this day and I actually read it to the baby quite soon after the birth you know when they're just like little tatties that just cuddle in and sleep most of the time and I thought well the baby doesn't know what I'm saying so I can read anything really did read the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock I read The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe because that's just so fun to recite I did The Highwayman by Alfred Noyes which again as soon as the baby is old enough to understand what I'm saying but you know when they're tiny and they just like the sound of your voice nevermore just so fun but then I was like won't it be fun when we're sort of at toddler stage and then I can be like say never more (laughs) so yeah J. Alfred Prufrock that's one I remember as a child and it's one that I've now passed on that's fantastic I really hope you have a better sleep than you had last night and that you very quickly solve all your quirdles (laughs) thank you for coming on my podcast Kirsty Logan thank you for having me (laughs) 